Hello and welcome to Inside Modular, the podcast of commercial modular construction brought to you by the Modular Building Institute. Welcome everyone. My name is John McMullen. I'm the marketing director here at MBI. Today I'm talking with Robin Bartram Brown, managing director at London-based MMY Global, as well as with Dr. Anas Batal, managing director at the Center of Excellence in Smart Construction. Robin and Anas are here to talk about the development and construction of modular building mega projects around the world with a focus on the Middle East. Robin, Anas, thanks for being here. Good morning. Thank you for having us, John. Uh, it's my pleasure. So, uh, Robin, why don't you kick this off? Tell me about yourself and about uh, MMY. So, MMY Global, uh, we're based in the UK, in London. Uh, we also have a subsidiary in the US, and we advise clients, developers, um, governments, funds on the use of modern methods of construction within their supply chain. Very good. And Anas, uh, introduce yourself, please, and tell me about yourself. Thanks. So, um, as you mentioned, director of the Center of Excellence Smart Construction. So, within the center, um, we work with what we call the Triple Helix, uh, where government, industry, and academia work together um, for a better construction industry. And we obviously focus quite a lot on um, sustainability. Uh, productivity, performance, and obviously pr uh, offsite manufacturing and modular construction plays a big role within that. Excellent. And how did you guys uh, meet and, and what's uh, the nature of your work together? So we originally met um, in, in a number of projects that we had uh, engaged together on in, in Saudi Arabia. Um, within Saudi Arabia, there's a lot of um, growth when it comes to construction um, and the need for um, new methods of construction because of the um, the time frames that we have but also the the costs uh, and also the quality that's required um, and therefore there's a lot of um, requirements when it comes to offsite manufacturing and 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 therefore modular uh, and this is where robin and mmy played a big role in some of the work that we're doing to help us with a number of things mainly to do with procurement of, of modular construction um, suppliers and also um, looking at the different methodologies of how to approach modular on these projects. Gotcha. So, uh, Robin, how would you describe the, the demand differences between the U.S., Europe, and, and Middle East? What industries are, are prominent? It's a good question. Um, in the U.S., and well, the U.K. is obviously flying at the moment with modular, so there's a, there's a lot of buy-to-own high-rise uh, projects that are becoming extremely successful. Um, I'd say that that's where the UK is moving to at the moment. In the States, it's it's predominantly been hospitality and that's that's performed very well. But I think now the industry's advanced and it's starting to become, it's starting to get to cost parity against traditional construction. I think you're going to see a push towards affordable housing now um, in America, low rise, four story, a kind of walk up affordable housing schemes, 200 units, that seems to be really starting to come to the forefront. And in the Middle East, it's it's very new, but I think predominantly they'll be looking, there certainly won't be any timber uh, because culturally timber is just not used in the Middle East. Uh, and it mainly will be steel for hospitality um, and concrete is very popular um, in the Middle East because they're good at using concrete. They've used precast for a lot of years and they've got an established ecosystem for that type of material. Um, so very different to the UK, very different to the US, quite similar to the Singapore model um, where they use a lot of volumetric concrete mods. 
Well, you you preempted my next question. I was going to ask about the differences in systems, but you mentioned the predominant use of concrete in the Middle East. Uh, why why is that? So there's a plentiful supply of you know dredged material, so base material for concrete. Um, concrete traditionally required a lower skill base to use successfully. Um, and it's used throughout, you know, the Middle East and, and Asia, you know, uh, an, an awful lot. I mean, it's used everywhere, but, you know, mm. more so in these countries. Um, and and actually, Saudi and the Middle East and Saudi in particular have become very, very good at using concrete and precast. So, you know, it's like anything. You you use what you know, right? And and, and people don't like change. So, and if you're looking, if you we talk to development, we work for development companies, we work for, you know, funds and the government. And if... If the people that we're we're working with have experience in precast and concrete, then that's naturally what they're going to be led towards, because it's what they used to what's they mm-hmm. what they used to working with. And and actually, Singapore have used that uh, very very successfully on some serious high rise projects. Uh, so Anas, I'll move to you. Can you speak to the wider uh, Middle East, North Africa region? Uh, is there is demand increasing there, and and if so, what what are some of the factors driving that trend? Absolutely. So the demand is is definitely increasing in the past. I would say a lot more than the it started off. I think about ten years ago. Yeah, and this is was the move from the precast manufacturers. They wanted to move on to modular. Um, a lot of them have flew to to Singapore to see what the um, the developments happening in Singapore. And the reason why is because they're very close to what they're doing in terms of uh, uh, concrete and 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 rather than steel uh, as as Robin mentioned um the drivers <clears> are mainly and and we've seen this across the the giga projects or the mega projects across the the, the past 10 years where we have housing pro- projects we had uh, major development projects such as the expo um 2020 for for dubai um as well as the world cup in in qatar uh, and the major developments that are happening in Saudi Arabia now with the 2030 vision. This all be driven to do with time to start with. So there was a time where the the, the word modular or the word pre-assembly or, or pre-manufacturing was not was not on the table unless you have a time issue. And not not so much in terms of sustainability and and and, and waste management and etc. to start with. So it was all to do with time. If you have a time issue, let's let's bring in the, this conversation in, um, and that the, that's the way it was led. Um, where in many cases it was a lot more costly to to bring in modular as, as you as you do anyways uh, to start off with, and that was okay. So in Expo we did a lot of uh, offsite manufacturing on Cuff we did a lot as well, and in Saudi Arabia as I mentioned earlier we 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 started to see it quite a lot, but mainly for the projects that are time driven. Slowly but surely. The, the other conversations are coming in, which are basically, let's drive mass production, which ultimately will drive the cost down. Let's drive it from a, from a sustainability perspective, uh, just-in-time deliveries and et cetera, and all of these kind of things that will come in as well. We don't see that yet. Um, we have seen it in, in such as yeah. the Expo, for example, because sustainability was a big element in the Expo. <clears throat> and the fact that things had to be there for, for a certain time of uh, for a certain time of the period so it had to be reassembled and, and, and etc uh, so that ticks a lot of boxes but as i said mainly it's to do with that to do with time 
I think in in the just to add to that, so in the UK, very developed modular market. In the US, very developed modular offsite volumetric, whatever you want to call it, market. You know, we've reached now finally cost parity. It's taken time, and it's taken lots of mistakes, and it's taken lots of money, um, and some full starts for some very very big businesses. But we've reached, we've reached cost parity. The difference with the Middle East is there's not really an established manufacturing base there localized. So you've always got to add shipping and logistics. And that always makes the cost, you know, more, 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 right? Per square right. foot, per square meter. Um, the difference in the last couple of years is because of the shocks from the pandemic, because of the pricing, you know, because of the increases in pricing, the lack of labor, all the good stuff that we all talk about in this industry all the time, you know, lack of GCs, lack of skills, lack of experience, because labor rates have got so expensive and we've made some advances in automation and we can make the mods a little bit cheaper. It's almost there in Saudi without localization um, and manufacturing. But once that manufacturing actually starts, then as, as Dr. Anas says, we'll get parity. And at that point, the conversations become so much easier with developers. Not that you're just going to get it quicker. The quality is going to be better. You've got less people on site. But it's the same that you pay paying, you know, building it traditionally. And that's when you start getting the really big wins. Absolutely. So with all the work that's gone into bringing sort of the Middle East up to speed with with um, you know where the U.S. is, where the where the Europe is, certainly they're uh, leading the way in many respects. I was wondering if you could give uh, maybe some examples of modular construction projects that that you guys have worked on in the Middle East, uh, and, and maybe share how they've contributed to the overall development of the region. So th th there's a lot of projects that we 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 see happening. I mentioned the Expo. Uh, so there was a lot of offsite manufacturing within Expo for, for, for a number of reasons. Um, so that definitely did tick a lot of boxes. We saw a lot of, um, we saw the, the birth of um, a modular company within Dubai or the Middle East because of the Expo. Um, for those, I'm sorry saw, to for those who are not familiar with the Expo, could you just give us like a, a, a couple of seconds, like what was that event? What was it about? What was... It's it's a world exhibition. Uh, it happens every four years in 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 a, in a country, and 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 Dubai was hosted that in twenty twenty, or actually twenty twenty one due to the pandemic. Okay. Um, where um, uh, countries had had uh, had locations or or plots to to build, um, a design and build uh, a building for themselves, and and the and the ultimate purpose of this is to showcase the country and traditions. Uh, during the duration of six months within within the exhibition. Gotcha. Um, so therefore, there's a lot of uh, countries that wanted to do something that they can dis reassemble and disassemble and, and, and move it after after the ex expo has finished. Um, so that was one element why modular was used. Steel quite was, was one of the major ones. And as I mentioned, because of that, a lot of contractors locally, because they were involved in these projects, um, although they were commissioned by um, international internationally and they were commissioned by um, um, organizations outside of UAE, um, they saw the needs or the benefits of modular. Some of them have heard about it before Expo, some, some of them haven't, but some a lot of them have experienced it uh, because it was a requirement by the, a lot of their clients on, on Expo. Um, and therefore, they saw the benefits, they saw how... how um, Easier it is than than they expected because a lot of people thought it was complicated. I remember when I was in Expo, a lot of contractors were quite 
worried with with the with the fact that we were requested for modular or or offsite manufacturing. Um, so that was a, a lesson learned for everyone, and it did have a great impact. And we and and not only within Nexpo, but we saw this outside. We saw the 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 birth of many many offsite um, manufacturing uh, companies, mainly uh, con concrete, to be honest, in the region. As as Robin mentioned, for the for the right reasons, because this is what people are, are familiar with. But also, we had a few uh, steel manufacturing as well in in the region. Not that they all had a very smooth um, experience to to expand and and grow, but they, they definitely had the the opportunity to to at least um, initiate within the region. Well, it sounds like there's a, a tremendous amount of excitement. Uh, in the region for modular construction, industrialized construction of all kinds. Um, I was wondering, and we deal a lot with uh, these issues being based in North America. There's a lot of you know, there's 50 states, 50 different state building codes. W what's the regulatory landscape in, in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia in particular? What, what rules do modular construction companies you know, in Saudi Arabia, in the Middle East uh, have to follow? So when it comes to modular, there isn't... Um... Uh, especially within Saudi Arabia, there isn't anything in terms of building regs that does mention specifically anything to do with uh, uh, modular. Um, in fact, in some cases, it could be a little bit against it <clears throat> um, because of the requirements, basically, mm -hmm. uh, especially the steel manufacturer and manufacturing or steel modulars uh, due to the fire resistant requirements, due to the um, soundproofing, um, et cetera, et cetera. So there is a lot of um, things that could go against uh, modular. Um, with that said, there is a lot of um, work that's happening. Um, I know a lot of ex-colleagues that are working towards um, enhancing the building regulations and building requirements. Um, this is happening from, from a, a ministerial level um, and, and also happening from the private sector as well. There's a lot of push towards that. Uh, and, and that's I think it's just a matter of is getting getting things um, up and running, but it's definitely not the issue that we ha we have in the US. It's definitely we're not going to end up with fifty yeah, odd different it's, regulations. And we're not going to uh, have yeah. And that's a struggle, John. Yeah. You know, in the US, you, you said it. You know, it's fifty different states, fifty different codes, fifty different codes inside those fifty different codes. You know, you go and install a mod in Kentucky, and you need to have a plumber in the factory to sign off the the plumbing, and then you go and sign. Uh, you go and install a mod five miles away in Indiana and you don't need to, or you might be putting one into you know, New York that has to have kind of plastic pipe in it. I mean, it's just, it's really challenging in the U S um, and that's something that certainly they need to, they need to get over. Yeah. So yeah. one of the things I know the, the U S market is, is big on Europe has been for a long time is sustainability, how to build greener, how to build yeah. uh, with less waste, uh, what what are some of the initiatives that are happening in the Middle East region uh, to promote sustainable construction, and and how does modular construction you know contribute to those goals? I'm going to hand this one to Anas because he is literally the regional expert on sustainability. <laughs> so over to you, Anas. Thanks for that. Uh, well, when it comes to sustainability, uh, definitely again, that's uh, we've had a lot of improvements in the past 10, 15 years in the Middle East when it comes to sustainability, especially in the construction industry. Um, maybe COP28 uh, being hosted in, in, in UAE this year helps a lot. Maybe the 2030 vision of Saudi Arabia and the, and the Green Saudi initiatives helps with that as well. 
uh, and also the the Qatar building um, uh, green building initiatives in Qatar as well helps with it. Um, so there is a lot of improvements when it comes to that. There is a lot of push towards uh, sustainability. Um, are we there yet? I don't believe so. I think there's a lot. Of, there's there's it's a lot to to be done, um, especially when when it comes to construction. Um, but it, it, we are ticking all the right boxes at the moment when it comes to waste management, when it comes to carbon emissions on on during construction and after, um, the, the, when it comes to uh, renewable energies and etc. Especially when it comes to manufacturing, uh, there's a bit, there's a very huge manufacturing base um, here in in the region. I'm not yeah. talking about manufacturing, which construction. I'm talking about manufacturing in general. Obviously, mm-hmm. oil oil and gas being one of them. Um, so there is a lot of push for the industrial side of things to be a lot more sustainable, and that would help the modular construction once it picks up. So there is a lot of developments when it comes to sustainability, but also there's a lot of room for improvement. So Robin, I'll move back to you for for a moment. Besides the the push for sustainability, we're also seeing a lot of new modular uh, high-rise buildings go up. We uh, just had a a 44-story in in London. I think it was, then they followed with a 50, which was uh, amazing. Um, It's incredible. How do you, how does high-rise change the dynamic for for modular buildings so it's a, it's a great question and i you know high rise is great it's they're doing some amazing things uh, you know the architects and vision and, and 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 the crew over in 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 the uk are really doing some incredible stuff with the high rise that they're building um I, you know high rise is great it doesn't particularly rate really to affordable housing. Um, you know, that's going to be more low rise. I think it's mm-hmm. great to get some signature projects out there. Um, I don't think it's going to be, I don't really think it's going to be predominantly high rise in um, KSA and in the region. I, I don't think that's where it's moving towards. Uh, but, you know, the projects that we're seeing are fantastic. What What's different? Well, you know, the connections between the mods and the cores, you know, that that could be very challenging. It's something that they've made a lot of progress on in the last five years. MEP, you have to be so much more organized with your MEP when you're going up vertically. Um, you know, you've got a little bit more room for error when you're doing low rise lateral stuff. But I, I don't see high rise as the solution for KSA. It's certainly the solution for London, New York, Singapore where developers need to get mass and they need to go vertical to, to get it to pay really. But I think that predominantly in KSA, the market's going to be more 18 stories less. What's really interesting with high rise that we've seen in the last couple of years are these new systems now where they're starting to look towards going vertical without concrete stair cores and concrete cores. I think that's really interesting where we can start getting staircases and lifts and elevators or elevators as you call them into the mods and you literally just stack off your podium um mm. I, I think that's probably where it's going to move towards but i think we're a few years away from that really really starting to develop but if i heard Absolutely. you correctly you said it was 18 stories and lower is probably the solution for ksa is that i i think most of the buildings will be yeah, sub 20 just in general, or are you talking about affordable housing in particular? I, I, I don't think you'll see modular in affordable housing um, anytime soon in case. I think predominant. Okay. I think the first, the first type of real 
modular construction you'll see at scale will be in the hospitality sector gotcha um, and uh, yeah and then that, that will i think will then develop out into some of the really large affordable housing projects that they're looking to put out within within the region what helps but with that really is yeah sorry Robin, i was going to say no, what helps no. with this really is this that you don't have to build high because there's there's definitely the the, the master when you look space, at yeah. there right. Uh, not only this, the, the, a lot of the uh, mandates, a lot of the projects that are happening in, in the Middle East, especially within Saudi, they build in things in thousands and millions. Um, so the, there's there's thousands, tens of thousands of units being built by different developers. So they don't have to build um, up; they can they can they can build across the, across the the, the the lands that they have. So um, they definitely don't have to worry about it, and they don't have to complicate things per se. They can just build within within the the, the projects that they have, and as I I echo what Robin have mentioned, uh, we don't we we don't see this conversation. I think in the past four or five years, maybe one um, high rise developer was yeah. playing with the idea, but they they very quickly realized that this is not the option that they they should go ahead with. Um, where a lot of the low-rise, medium-rise um, developers are taking this as a, as a very serious option at the moment, especially within hospitality. But that we, doesn't take away doesn't take away the incredible, and I'll say it again, that's that's happening in Singapore as well. Singapore and the UK yeah. are absolutely smashing it with high-rise module at the moment. So um, it's great for the industry, right? Absolutely. You mentioned the the scope of the work in KSA in the Middle East, which is just mind-boggling in many respects how many buildings are being built how many buildings are being planned uh a question for both of you where do you see uh the industry going in in the middle east in ksa in the next you know 10 20 50 years what what can we expect uh in terms of development what kind of projects can we look forward to in, in the region I, th I think i mean i'll start and then i'm sure Anna's will finish I, I i think it's exciting i think it's going to take time I don't think that you're going to see um, the take up with modular happen super quickly. Um, I think in the next five years, you'll see a couple of the major players will set up factories. Um, but, you know, to do that, they need off take agreements and then they need orders. Right. Um, and there are some huge projects. I mean, you know, the numbers are staggering. I, I get them wrong and Anas corrects me, but I think the pipeline is like 200 billion um, just for the next four years. I think they have enough general contractors traditionally to build 20, 25% of that in country. So they've literally have to look at industrialization to deliver this, but it's going to take time. Um, and, 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 you know, it doesn't move. KSA doesn't move as quickly as, you know, things do in the UK or they do in, in the US. It takes time. Um, but I, I see that, yeah, there will be a lot of modular construction in the future. Um, and I think, as I said earlier, to start with predominantly will be in the hospitality sector. And and this is what we know of now. I mean, there's a, there's a projects being launched every week in in this region, um, giga projects, not even not even small scale projects. Or um, um, so the, the, yes, as as what we know from now, there's there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of demand that's coming in. Um, and yes, the, the the supply chain is nowhere near um, the to, to deliver what, what's been what's on the table at the moment, um, and and hence why we see there's a lot of discussions and a lot of effort that's been pushed towards 
many other methods method of construction, not just not just modular. Yeah, not just but modular. modular yeah. yeah, but modular has taken a, a, a big lead on this because of the benefits that it does bring into the to the market. Before I let you guys go, I got one last question for you. If uh, if I'm a manufacturer listening to this podcast and you know developing or building or getting my product into the Middle East piques my interest. Is there anything that words of advice, things a, a company might need to know before starting any sort of development or building project in the Middle East? Any best yeah. practices that you can think of? So for me, I would advise that you reach out to your local government um, connections, you know, your trade departments that work with those countries. Um, and most importantly, I would reach out to and make local connections with local general contractors or local suppliers and manufacturers because it's really based on relationships out there. You know, it's it's all about relationships with other businesses locally, um, and then you know explore explore the options. But certainly, um, you know, if people want introductions into you know, projects, then the, the, I, I'm more than happy to connect people. It does, it's, uh, we, we all want to see it progress out there. So, you know, you can reach out to MMY um, and we'll happily connect you with the right people that you need to speak to if you're a manufacturer that's interested. I mean, to be fair, most of them we talk to anyway, but <laughs> any that haven't, any that haven't um, happened, you know, you feel free to hit our website um, and, and, and reach out. Very good. To add to this, I'd say just do a lot more listening and uh, understand the market before you, you. It does. It does sound very exciting, um, but there is there's a lot of things that need to be learned. It's it's not the same market. Um, there's a lot of things that need to be considered. Um, not not to scare anyone away, but there is there's a lot of things that need to be considered before you get into the market. And and um, so yeah, a lot of listening, uh, uh, collaboration, getting in touch with the experts such as MMY. Um, and and just really just make sure that you when you when you do come into the market, make sure that you have the ultimate solution, uh, rather than just looking at it from one angle, which is manufacturing. There's there's a lot of players within the projects that you need to make sure that you have on board, um, such as the um, main contractor that does yeah, tick a big a big box definitely. And I've seen that in many in many cases. Um, and yeah, just just make sure that you have a long term plan. Uh, where ultimately you'd end up setting up in in the country because one of the main criteria is one of the main requirements for 2030 vision within Saudi Arabia, and that's a mandate for for a lot of the PIF entities, is the localization. So ultimately, you need to look into ways that you can be in a long in a long term or a medium term localized setting up in Saudi Arabia in order to to continue. It's not just a short term involvement that you want to be in. Just to add and clarify, so the PIF, the Public um, Investment Fund, is the sovereign wealth fund of Saudi Arabia. And yep. so got the, the, it's, it's the wealth fund. They then feed down to some development companies they own. And and and, and you may know some of these projects, the line, you know, um, Neom, all these names that people will have seen in the press across LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, so the PIF is the sovereign wealth fund. And then they have some very large development companies that are starting to do these incredible projects th throughout the region. Well, thank you. Thank Thanks. you both. Uh, Robin and us, I really appreciate your time today. Cool. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, I can't wait to hear more about all the projects that are uh, being developed in the Middle East. And again, I just uh, really appreciate your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for, thank you. Thanks for having us, Sean. Thank you. Cheers.
My name is John McMullen, and this has been another episode of Inside Modular, the podcast of commercial modular construction. Until next time.